Insight? Feels like four. It is four. Day four of Knit Up Insight Berlin. I'm Justin Parisi and I am in my hotel room and I've got two dudes in here. Yes, sir. That's right. We're about to do some podcast in my hotel room because I found them in the lobby as I came back from the hotel after yet another successful day at Knit Up Insight. Um, Glenn, what did you do today? Uh, today was, uh, as you know, just a light day. Uh, we were only open for about four hours today, but I had uh, a little bit of booth duty. I had an opportunity to, to, to catch another SBA that I didn't find, so it was absolutely worth the time. Uh, and then I had my last session of the week, and, and we went ahead and shut it down. So it was, it was a nice, actually relaxing day, but as we'll get into, that, that, that was kind of necess- necessary after uh, the customer party last night. Yeah, that was kind of wild. Um, my day was basically uh, my last session and then a few customer meetings. And wouldn't you know it, I nailed my last session. The rest of the week, I'm kind of like, I, got, I think I got this. But this, this last one, I was like, yeah, I'm on fire. Let's do it again. Oh, it's the last day. Man, saved it for last. Yeah, well, you know, now you got it. Maybe I should start practicing before Insight. I don't know. Maybe that'll help. No. No? no? Just, just roll with it. Just, yeah. yeah, all right. Spontaneous. Um, also in the hotel room, I said there's two dudes in here. There's another dude. Uh, Dr. Desktop, Chris Gephardt. Hello. Hey, how are you guys? So, Chris Gebhardt, how was your day-to-day at Insight, and how was your general Insight event? Uh, overall, it was it was uh, my day was really good. Thank you for asking. Um, I had one session followed by a, a informant delight session in the uh, Insight Central, and uh, yeah, the, overall the week was great. We had a really good attendance to the virtualization track. Um, I got to talk a little bit about VDI, but about best practices and other things. So, um, overall, the week was really good. I had uh, it seems like the customers are really uh, energized and excited, um, and I am as well. I think that this is a this is a really great opportunity in a timeline of of NetApp for us to continue to help our customers and solve their business problems. So, what was your general feeling uh, with EMEA Insight versus Vegas Insight? What sort of differences did you notice? Um, it's always a I I wouldn't call it a tougher crowd, uh, but they demand more technical. Uh, depth in the yeah. conversations, in the sessions. And so, you know, we, we, we make the content, we present it in, in, in U.S., and then we have to, we try to modify, try to go deeper into some of the internal stuff that we may not have covered in the U.S., um, and so, you know, our, our ratings, you know, people say in the comments, we want a more technical depth. We want a more technical depth. And so we try every year to, to deliver that, right? The U.S. has a certain expectation and the EMEA has a different expectation. So it's, it's kind of hard to balance, but um, we try to do what we can to deliver. Yeah, I learned a while back that's the way EMEA operated. So what I started doing was making my sessions way too technical. And then I get, I get like the comments in Vegas like, Dude, that was too much. And then in Amir, they're like, "Yeah, that was awesome." And then some people are like, "You talk too fast." Yeah, that's my that's my big problem with uh, uh, both APEC and Amir. You know, as listeners to the podcast know, I like to talk a mile a minute, uh, and it's really hard for me sometimes to slow down, particularly because typically my sessions 
I have a really hard time getting it all in. And my solution for that is just to, to be myself and talk faster, which doesn't work when you get out here at all. But, but I totally agree with, with what Chris said uh, and yourself about the technical depth. I think the reason for that, honestly, is just because EMEA is so self-sufficient. They, they, uh, they don't have the, the corporate presence that we have uh, out of the United States, clearly. And then the same, you know, we, we, you could argue we have the same presence covering Asia with, uh, with, with our Indian offices. So it really just comes down to the, the, those really tough experts, the guys that, that bang your head and demand you, you really know it. They, if you, if you, from my own experience, they tend to come out of Europe and, and Australia. And I really think that's just because they're, they're, they're isolated, right? They have to be able to stand on their own two feet and they have to know that they have to know this stuff because they're carrying customers over the finish line every single day. Yeah, it's definitely an interesting, interesting dynamic uh, for sure. Um, I noticed your voice is a little hoarse and raspy. Um, is everything okay? Y- yeah. Um, last night uh, we we had the customer appreciation event, appreciation event uh, at the stag is at that? the station at the station in Berlin, uh, which was a beautiful establishment. It was it was really 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 nice. Um, but uh, needless to say, it ended. The, the very end of that show, there was a fantastic cover band. They were amazing all night. But, but uh, at the very end of the event, um, the band got up there and they were like, okay, well, you know, thank you, NetApp. You've all been very wonderful. You know, but but we're, this one is a vote. We'll leave it up to you. Would you like to do Sing Along or would you like to blow Roof Off? <laughs> and and the crowd, you know, all uh, five thousand attendees were basically in the main hall at this point, um, and and all voted for blow the roof off. Oh, yeah, and the band proceeded to rock the heck out to Nirvana's "Smells Like Teen Spirit," and it was absolutely amazing to see a tech. There was a a living mosh pit at a technical conference. It was unlike any. There was a guy crowd surfing in a Viva Las Vivas T-shirt. It's kind of hard to explain. Was that Fletcher? A C D C A C D C A C D C. Okay. okay, that's creepy. That's creepy. Was it Fletcher crowd surfing? No, no. But Pete did. I was with uh, Fletcher when when we saw the guy, and we did go and get his picture. If you, uh, it's it's been on Twitter since then, and the gentleman is uh, actually. I'm going to point. While you're looking for that, um, after the event, well, actually, I left a little early, and we went to this little East Berlin bar, and, like, they had a stuffed hedgehog on a cash register for some reason. I don't know why. And we found some Iron Maiden beer. I didn't know they had Iron Maiden beer. No. Like, it actually had the monster guy from Iron Maiden on the on the bottle. It was interesting. Sweet. Yeah. A little, a little exploration. I don't drink, no, so, I, I mean... All right, who we got? Who do we have here? Okay, so our crowd surfing, Vivals loving, absolutely rock star customer. If you'd like to go ahead and hit him up on Twitter, is at d00m1e. Oh, Eric Hankoop. Yeah, or Hankoop. He was an awesome guy. We talked. Uh, we talked the night after after the show ended when we were walking out. We were talking to him, and he's just a really great guy, man. He had he had a lot of fun at the party. It was. It was, as I said on my way out, it was, that was the most rock I've ever seen. Uh, tech, tech events don't do that, dude. People don't dance and party and have fun at a, at a technology party. They just... They bop to train. Yeah. Train. It's, it, and, and, and I Imagine think they're... Imagine dragons. 
Yeah, you may be right, Chris. Maybe it is just a, a, an EMEA thing versus... Uh, no, it's the cover band thing, man. I, I think that's what really kept the crowd going. It was always different. It was always hits. It was, you know, they oh, had they I had such an energy yeah. that, you know, it was infectious. These, yeah. the, You know, they're apparently the number one uh, event band in all of EMEA or something like that. And you could tell why. I mean... When I was talking to Phil Evans, who runs the EMEA event, he said that they were going to accept an award for last year's event, and this band was playing it, and he said immediately, Joe, go book them now. Like, they booked them a year ago, winning an award, because these guys were so awesome, so... Yeah, I can see why. Yeah, absolutely, they were absolute rock stars. Of course, th- there was there was more than just a, an amazing rock show that actually managed to rock. Um, that th- they also had the what was it the food hall? What was the? Yeah, there was the food hall, and they had uh, some area for the the platinum sponsors. Uh, you know, and, and they had you know their own bars and their own customer areas, and and uh, the food hall, which was just you know. German food, sausages and turkey, and you know it was just it was really good. Yeah, absolutely. I I thought it was an amazing event. What do you think, JP? Yeah, it was pretty awesome. On to the cover band point, I think what really, you know, to your point, it was basically all the hits, which means people were into it because they recognize the songs. Because most people go to concerts, the casual fan, they'll go to concerts and they're waiting for that one hit that they play on the radio all the time, right? But this was like back to back to back to back, you know, Journey and like Nirvana and, you know, whatever you could think of. ACDC. AC, ACDC? Yeah. They also, um, I noticed they, they had another song they played, I think it was a Snow Patrol song, and they actually changed the lyrics it sounded like to something to include IT in it. That, yeah, there, there was, uh, the, yeah. They, they were TLDR. Last night, or Phil Evans is is a uh, rock star because he booked one heck of a band, and the crowd had a great time. The customers had a great time. Uh, I subsequently, as you can tell, barely have a functioning voice at the moment, uh, but no regrets, man. No regrets at all. It was it, it was a really nice explanation point on the end of what has been, as always, an amazing week. Awesome. Anything else for you guys before we uh, roll out of here? Actually, before we roll out, we'll have an interview. But anything else from you guys? No, just uh, safe travels, everybody going home. No? All right, so um, we also got a chance to catch up with uh, Professional Services Cloud Transformation Team yesterday. Uh, I did an interview with them, let them listen to it, and they're, they're good to go with it. So we're going to go ahead and play that now, and then we'll roll on out of here. We've got flights to catch. All right, guys, thanks a lot. Yep, uh, listeners, no weekly episode this week because uh, we're all going to be traveling, but we'll be back as normal next week. And thank you much, not a doctor. All right, I'm here at NetApp Insight 2016. I was able to actually snag a couple of the guys at the booth for the Professional Services for Cloud Transformation booth. Uh, they've been doing some good work over there. So let's start off with your name. So um, right now uh, we have with us Yakov Prokoshin and Andrew Campbell-Lang. So these guys have been working hard at the booth. What exactly is the booth doing? Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so we're, we're getting customers coming into us uh, and looking to see how NetApp can help them accelerate their cloud transformation story. So we're talking to customers about, you know, what do they mean about cloud? What are they doing? Uh, where are they at? What, what sort of things have they already thought about from cloud? And trying to sort of tease out, you know, areas that they possibly haven't thought about, you know, uh, looking at things like predictable performance, predictable cost, and looking at the service elements of what cloud actually brings benefit and value to their customers. So we're really trying to help them, you know, achieve and understand how to do it in a far more efficient manner. 
So what exactly is a cloud transformation? So cloud transformation, if you think about organizations today, a lot of organizations are very asset driven. So they have projects, uh, the companies or businesses that they're supporting will buy the storage solutions, put them in place and then expect IT to manage them for them. And all too often, IT are tasked to get far more value out of that asset, but that value is not being passed back to the customer. So you know, they, they don't understand what the cost of this stuff is. You know, they're not paying for it. Uh, all too often, it's overloaded, and they're getting you know performance degradation, or it's underutilized, and it's high cost. Those kind of things. Moving to a service delivery organisation, which is necessary for the cloud starts to align services out that customers consume. So they're not buying technology anymore, they're buying a service. So what we need to do is to start off by, you know, looking at the services that they need to offer, build a service catalog that has SLAs and KPIs wrapped around it that define exactly what that service is going to address and need and give to the customer. And then we start to put in the technology behind it that achieves that SLA and those catalogs. Uh, and we do that in a far more efficient manner. So from a predictable performance perspective, I mean, you're talking about things like QoS in place, so that you know exactly how much a workload can consume. Um, and you know, we, we do this by analyzing what they're doing today in their asset-driven world, and we realign that into a service delivery world. Workload balancing, so putting workloads that don't need any performance onto storage assets that aren't giving out performance, putting those that need performance, you know, high performance into assets that need high performance. So we rebalance what they're doing today into a service delivery model, helping them build out the contracts and the various service offerings to the customer, align the technology in a far more efficient manner, either through you know, tech refresh or you know, rebalancing what they've already got, and then help build a, you know, the, the financial model behind it so we know what the cost per gigabyte is as a fully baked in cost you know, including all the management tools of OCI, people power, calling data center, and build out an ROI that they can actually then start to implement uh, inside their organizations. So my understanding is this, this, this particular group operates mostly out of EMEA, um, and I do know that you know, from the states, you know, not you know, as in tune with EMEA's politics as everyone else, but the safe harbor stuff. Yes. How are you guys handling Safe Harbor and how are you enabling customers to deal with that? Yeah, so I mean, one of the things that is uh, absolutely key and critical uh, around service definition uh, is not just performance, it's also the protection elements. And that includes security, compliance rules, all those various you know, data privacy laws all need to be in there. So what we do is we align that into criticalities the customer would then choose you know how much capacity do I need what service level proper performance and what service level do I need for protection as well so you've told me what you do to help customers get there what are they actually buying what's the deliverable that they're getting so uh, the first thing that we do is obviously talk to the customer to get to understand that you know this is what they're trying to achieve they're trying to move to a service aligned approach and become the service broker service providers for their organization uh, so we have a service uh, called the Service Design Workshop, which is the entry point. The service Design Workshop is the part that I talked to you about, that we actually analyze what they're doing and build out these service catalogs of KPIs, SLAs, and start to align either the technology that they have or the new technology that's going in place to do that far more efficiently. Now, the Service Design Workshop really is, is that kickstart for the customer to help them on their journey, building out those catalogs. Um, but also what it doesn't do is doesn't actually implement anything for them. Yeah? So it, it's a visionary tool that we use uh, to help the customer understand what they could achieve 
and then there are follow-on services to actually start implementing those things all the way through to you know the full transformation that the organization has to has to undertake so if i'm a customer and i'm listening to this and i'm liking what i hear how exactly would i get to that point so uh, the best way to do that is to is to you know contact your se your sales reps uh and, you know if you're having any contact today with professional services for engagement managers and request a service design workshop is there any email address I can reach, or is there a blog out there, or anything along those lines? Uh, so there's quite a few uh, of the video blogs that talk about service design workshop, and there's a few there from Evan Miller that talks about it in depth and various other bits and pieces. Uh, email, I'm not sure. I'd have to check. All right, excellent. Uh, so we also did some service design workshop podcasts previously. We did them with Evan Miller and Stetson Webster and yep. Eduardo Rivera. Yeah. So um, if you want to listen to those, feel free. Anything else you want to add on? So uh, one of the other things that we do as part of the service design workshop is we start to look to see what that customer journey is going to look like moving forward. How do we take what we've done from the service design workshop and turn that into implementation? What are the next steps? So, you know, service design workshop typically focuses on performance because that's usually the missing piece. Uh, and what we do is, as, as traditionally the next stage on, is start to add in those data protection elements. Uh, we might actually also step up into VMware and start doing some balancing from VMware, looking at the application lifecycle, dev, test, QA, all those kind of things, and be able to understand how does that fit together into the service catalog. Mm-hmm. So we have a, a, a service offering in the UK um, at well, in EMEA and, uh, called the Service uh, Catalog Design Workshop. Um, and the Service Catalog Design is really about producing documentation that the customer can then use to plug into OCI, into ServiceNow, if that's their service management tool, whatever it is that they have to start to build out these services in a reality. Um, moving on from that, what, what we also want to try and do is to see from an operational element, is this organizational have the right kind of processes, the people, the skills, to be able to operate a cloud type environment because it's very different. Yeah, we're talking about shared sto- uh, service platforms now. You know, an awful lot of you know workloads now demanding from the same you know resource. Um, so we want to get predictability into how they provision and the things that they're doing internally within the cloud. What can we automate? Where can we automate? So you know, we have a service called uh, um, Storage Function Review that looks predominantly at the uh, IT processes that are wrapped around storage to be able to help them understand how can they improve. Now we can link that into our managed services efforts internally as well to be able to understand exactly what are the areas that we can start to plug in to help that customer accelerate to success much quicker. Um, We can go beyond just the storage function. Yeah, we can look at the whole of IT. Um, and we do this, you know, traditionally with customers that, you know, where story just turn around and they're saying, look, you know, I'm having problems with demand management, capacity management, you know, we're, we're kind of isolated, it's not working well. These things need to be fixed, yeah? It's not a technology fix, this is a process fix. We need to be able to go in and understand what they are and then plug the right kind of partners in or build out projects that help really sort of accelerate the processes, yeah? Building out run books, whatever it is that we need. Um, so that would sort of really take them down the process side of things. Back to the technology. Um, now that we're going to start to implement, we know what we're going to implement, we're going to start to want to put some designs together, understand what OCI is going to look like, you know, what, 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 what kind of reports are going to come out to you know, these operational managers. You know, how, what is it that I actually need? So you know, there's some design elements around OCI. You know, not everything is from the catalogue. We'll go in and start to really work with the organisation to understand who needs what information, where do they need it, how often cadence, what does it look like, and build out OCI from that perspective. 
at automation. How do I automate those processes we talked about earlier? What are the things that are important? How do I link into the portal so that customers have control over what they're doing? Um, and then linking OCI into you know, CMDB so that we get the right kind of um, you know, authoritative configuration database that we can use for you know, incident and problem management going forward and change management. Um, but then also linking to the customer's billing. How do I get the financials out? How do I build back? Who do I build back? All those kind of things. And then moving into the implementation project, which is the technical designs, the migration, the piloting, everything all the way through. So most customer journeys that we're working with, I mean, I have quite a few customers that are on various stages through that journey. And we typically say this, this is typically a year. A year from starting the service design workshop to when you can complete it. But it does depend on the appetite of the organization that I'm working with for them to change because this is a transformation challenge. Well, there you have it, Cloud Transformation. Thank you so much, Andrew and Yakov, for joining me today. Thank you very much. Thank you. Two seconds. <laughs> it looks like we're getting kicked out, Glenn. Yeah, tell me about it. All right.